0: well good afternoon good morning and good evening whatever time it is you're listening to this program welcome to philadelphia eagles talk with jeff and well for those of you who are looking to turn the volume down again because you're going to hear another rant from me i will tell you here right off the go that uh it's not gonna happen no more ranting for this uh for this podcast. Maybe that disappoints some of you. I don't know. Um, they probably, you probably do find them somewhat entertaining. Um, while others probably don't like to be, uh, you know, hearing somebody just vent, but um, you know, it needed to be done after that, after that game and that performance, you know, uh, you know, whether you agree with it or not, I think you guys all know and uh, recognize and, yourselves, I'm sure, were frustrated and um, disappointed in that performance, to say the least. I use the word disgusted because I was, and I still am. But, uh, you know, to get to the level of disgust is pretty deep, and that's where I was. So, um, but this podcast, I'm taking a step back. I've had a few days now to, you know let it uh, digest and marinate and get my thoughts together and let the emotions kind of go a little bit. I'm um, still very ain't much angry at this team for performing like that against a dreadful Arizona team. So don't get me wrong. None of that is gone away and I'm not excusing at all the Eagles performance. I'm not letting them off the hook whatsoever. I'm just going to tone down uh, the podcast, really. I mean, that's what it gets down to. I don't know who could possibly be me, be messaging me this time of the evening, but um, I swear, just as soon as I hit the record button, it's like an automatic jinx. All right, let's contact Jeff, whoever we are. Let's text him. Let's call him. Of course, I could put it on mute, right? But there's a reason why I don't have it on mute. You know, I got to play some audio uh, off of it uh, in a moment. So, what has transpired since the big loss, well, a lot of speculation, a lot of people, a lot of Eagle fans, and I mean a good amount of Eagle fans, and and not so much the media—they're kind of being a little more tempered in their remarks—but a lot of Eagle fans on social media looking to get Sirianni fired and think that that's going to happen. Now, on my podcast post game, I did also say that, you know, Sirianni. job could be on the line. I said that myself. Now, I also quickly said right after I stated that, that I am not there yet. And I'm not there yet. And I also don't think it's even a possibility, quite honestly. I don't think there's any way, even if the Eagles lose to the Giants and lose their first game in the playoffs, that Sirianni will be fired or it's automatic. Like they have to do it. Like that's what, that's the type of um, phrasing and position that people have taken. When I look at it, I mean, I don't think there's, I mean, I'm not going to rule it out if that happens, that scenario I just painted. Um, But I still don't think it would happen, even if they lost to the Giants and then lost the first round. I still don't think it would happen. But at least the uh, possibility would exist because you're talking about a team completely spiring out of control at the end of the season. So how much merit would he put into, you know, Sirianni's first two years and really all three years um, that he made the playoffs and once made it to Super Bowl? I think it would be hard for Jeffrey Lurie and Howie to fire the coach after that. Now, strange things have happened, right? I mean, the coach that won us the Super Bowl and Doug Peterson, they fired two years later. So, Again, I wouldn't rule out anything, but I think it's highly unlikely that Sirianni would be fired. And my position is I don't think they should fire him either. And the reason why I say that is something that I've emphasized and made a point of from the day one of this season. And I mentioned it during my event last podcast, but it's worth mentioning again because this is where I'm coming from. And this is what I recognized from the beginning would be the biggest challenge this year for the Eagles. And that is losing the offensive and defensive coordinator. Now, I never thought that that had happened before. Usually a Super Bowl team will lose one or the other, but rarely if ever both. And I remember saying that I wasn't sure if that's ever happened. And Ruben Frank, who I've got a lot of um, Respect for in terms of you know his long-term uh, reporting um and working, you know, alongside the Eagles a lot closer to the Eagles than me. He's right in Philadelphia. And I'm sure many of you know who Ruben Frank is and have heard the name before. He mentioned that on his latest podcast that he's not sure it's ever happened. Now, that's a big transition on both sides of the ball. You're replacing the top guy. And in short time, because the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl, right? So they have a shorter off season than all the other teams, except for the Chiefs. So they had less time to even incorporate, well, number one, to find the guys. And number two, uh, to uh, implement their offense and, and the new defense. So I knew that would be a huge challenge. Outside of the fact that just trying to repeat and get back to Super Bowl is a big enough challenge enough, even if you were to bring everybody back. Still rarely happens. So I mentioned those two biggest areas of concern for me in terms of the success for this season. And when you really get right down to it, as the Eagles got off to a good start, 10-1 and record, right? But a lot of those games being close and a lot of those games not, not looking that good, quite honestly, as we as we mentioned all the way throughout the season. They couldn't put away teams. Games were closer than they should have. They had to come from behind in some games. Teams that should have beat beat badly, they they couldn't. Um but yet they were winning. So it kind of overshadowed these type of what ends up being now alarming changes with an organization that may not, maybe they didn't find the right guys on both sides of the ball. Or maybe they have, and it just takes a while, maybe a whole season just to get it fully working or to get the pieces in place too. That's the other thing, right? You bring new offenses and defenses in coordinators rather, you know, you need the guys to fit the system or to fit their offense. Now, even though it, technically is still Sirianni's offense, So there shouldn't be as much of a transition than than on the defensive side. But even Sean Desai was a disciple of the same type of defense that Gannon was. So even though they brought new guys in with new ideas, concepts, and and their own way of doing things, they didn't really like sort of pivot from what they were doing. But regardless of that, it's still a big change on both sides of the ball. And that was a concern of mine right off the bat and those concerns now have reared their ugly heads on both sides of the ball or or we're doing so throughout the season and now over the last month it's just come to the top and to reveal the the, the big issue uh for everybody to see and experience and so as ticked off as I was after them blowing a game to the Cardinals and the Seattle debacle and some of these other games that they should have won, you know, losing to the Jets early in the season should have been a huge red flag to everybody. Um, these are areas I pointed out. This is this is the reason why I thought they would struggle at times this year. And the other thing is this. What was my prediction? As what, as far as what the Eagles' record would be, even considering all those changes, well, guess what it was. For those of you who may not remember, and then you're going to go back to my pregame podcast of the season to verify this, but I wrote it down. I predicted the Eagles this year would be twelve and five. Well, guess what, folks. If they beat the Giants, their record this year will be twelve and five. Right exactly what I called it to be. So why am I so pissed? (laughs) That's the question. I shouldn't be so angry. Well, I'm angry because of, you know, they're performing horribly bad at the wrong time. You want to be, you know, you want to be riding some momentum going into the playoffs, not losing to one of the worst teams in the NFL and being one in four in the last five games. That's why I'm upset because... When you look at it, even with the changes on the offensive and defensive coaching side, the talent on this team, you put this talent, this roster against any other roster in the league, maybe outside of the 49ers, they got more talent than any team in the NFL. And that's where the frustration comes in. Because this team is so vastly underperforming in the last month. At home even, right? I mean, the Cardinals game at home. Seattle's always a tough place to play. They just never win out there. But that game was in hand. That's the tough part. And Seattle's just not that good this year. Yeah. So that's where the genesis of the frustration was for me. And it's, you know, when I gave it time to think about it, I'm like, why am I so upset? These are things that I called out before the season started. It'll be a problem changing the offensive and defensive coordinator. And sure enough, that's the crux of the matter. Now, there's other things as well, certainly are. You got Hurts not playing as well, and that can also be related to the new offensive coordinator. I think it is. I don't think it's all Jalen. Some of it is definitely Jalen. He's got to take accountability to his some of his struggles. But I think a lot of it has to do with that Shane Steichen no longer here. I really do. Um, the play calling, just the confidence and being comfortable with the offense that Jalen had last year when he really, you know, took off. It's not here this year, and uh, you know, I think that's that's contributing to a lot of the issues offensively. Then you go on the defensive side, and this is where I blame Howie more than probably anybody else, even more so than the defensive coordinator. Is you have run-of-the-mill linebackers on this defense. And I've been pounding the table for years now, but it has really come to the point where you just can't you can't go on with these guys type of linebackers anymore. They're just that, it's that much of a um Drag on this defensive team's performance. I mean, it's just, you know, how he's gone too far to the extreme of being cheap at the linebacker position. You know, he just has. And he's got to use draft capital in this upcoming draft and get linebackers in here. And it would be awesome because there is a linebacker in this coming year's draft. That has bloodlines to one of the greatest linebackers in the Eagles history. And Jeremiah Trotter Jr. That's the name that you'll be hearing from me when the season's over. He's going to be one of the higher draft picks. So the Eagles would have to invest a high pick in a linebacker. But damn it, Howie. Do it. This is like a calling card for you, man. It's like Jeremiah Jr., Bring him to Philly. I mean, what a natural fit that would be at a position of absolute need. Get a good young linebacker in here. And he's a heck of a player. I've seen some, some, you know, I've watched him play a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, I've seen some highlight footage of him. And that's the type of guy we need. Bring in the Man Jr. But we'll talk about the draft. I'll have plenty of time to get to that later. But my point is, that Howie went too far in ignoring that position. And it's really hurt the Eagles big time. Zach Cunningham is by far their best linebacker. And this is a guy that was available for any team in the league to pick up. So and he's played well. I mean, I don't wanna sound like, you know, I'm insulting the guy. I am not. He's he's actually played very, very well. But my point is he was a guy that was that the Eagles got off the scrap heap and they got lucky that he's was able to still play. Not so lucky on the Leonard side because the Arizona game exposed him again for he's just he can move good forward but his lateral game is completely shot. So you can see why the Colts got rid of him. Side to side he's slow and completely ineffective from what I've seen in the short time he's been an eagle. Um, you want straight line, you know, attack the ball type type uh, linebacker, he's better at that, which is what he was doing against the Giants. But anytime you got to, you know, spread him out or make him pursuit to the outside, he's just slow. He can't get there. And it's unfortunate because he was one hell of a player, but certainly injuries have, have destroyed his career. Um, and I feel for him because this is probably his last chance to prove himself to anyone. And more than likely, I think Shaq Leonard will be out of the NFL at the end of the season. And again, it's unfortunate because he's, you know, I like I like him as a player. He was, you know, I went over the stats when the Eagles acquired him. I mean, he was he had stats like Lawrence Taylor, outside of like the sack numbers. That's how good this guy was for a while. Four time All Pro. In his first like five or six years in the league, it's just crazy. That's how good he was. But he's a shell of that type of player, you know, and it's unfortunate injuries and back injuries, you know, just you can't play football with a back injury, you know, anything significant. He's had surgery and stuff like that. So uh, it was a it was worth a shot. It was excited to bring him in here when he did. Um, But, you know, I don't think you can. You know, expect much out of him going forward and Morrow is very inconsistent at best. So that's on Howie. This defense is more on Howie than even the defensive coordinator, if you ask me. I think Sean Desai, I mean, look what happened this weekend. You know, everyone's thinking Matt Patricia's going to be the savior, and he his defense couldn't stop the lowly Arizona Cardinals not even one time other than the pick six. They couldn't stop him at all. It's one of the worst offenses in the league. Had no answer. So Patricia's, I mean, to be fair – He's, he's calling plays for a defense that's not even his. So that just goes back to Sirianni's decision to make that change to begin with, which is, looks to be a huge mistake. I mean, Sean decided he was going to get a bump anyway because he was going to be playing much easier games after going through the gauntlet. So, you know, his, the defense would have done better. And I'm sure it would have performed better against Arizona. But either way, Point is, those changes at the coaching level have hampered this team severely. And it's something that I pointed out at the beginning of the season. So, with that being said, let's shift gears now to the A.J. Brown situation. So, finally, A.J. Brown, who, um, as those of you may not be aware, declined to talk to anybody after the game, and he was shown on the field – basically shaking his head and just a lot of the body language uh, on the field at the end of the Arizona game was, um, was remarkable. It was standing out for sure. And he refused to talk to the media after the game. And, you know, obviously that leads to the media and everybody speculating on what's going on with him. Is he, you know, is he a, is he a TO type player? He's all ego and he's just angry because he's not getting the ball. Is he, you know, Is he um, having issues and, and, you know, having a problem or creating problems with the coach and teammates and whatnot? Uh, You know, it's just when you don't talk to the media, um, you allow that door to open. And so I think that's the mistake that Brown made. I know that he's – and you'll hear – I'm going to play a soundbite from him in a minute so you can hear what he said. But what I think that he needs to understand is – when you don't talk to the media, then you allow rampant speculation. And when you allow the media to speculate, as we know with anything, politics, uh, sports, anything, any news, quote, quote unquote, news related event. If you don't talk to the media, and even if you do, sometimes they'll skew and you take your answers out of context. I mean, the media is, that's a whole nother story I could do a, a rant on, but, the lesson to be learned i think from from aj brown is it's better to talk to the media than not and you know i'm not sure he fully understands that quite yet you know he's used to he's not used to playing in a big media market like philadelphia so he's kind of getting um he's still adjusting to that i think um, but i think you just create a bigger firestorm if you even though your reasoning behind not talking to the media may be very valid and very straightforward and thinking And honest, uh, it could still work against you. And that's what I think happened here um, with A.J. Because I think in general, I was very happy because I didn't know what was going to come out of this, you know, living through the T.O. days. And again, I never thought that A.J. Brown was a T.O. T.O. was a maniac, egomaniac, as good as he was. And it's sad because as good as he was and as talented as he was, he was one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. But he also had one of the greatest egos of all time. Which was detrimental to every team he played on. There's a reason why the 49ers didn't want him. There's a reason why the Eagles got rid of him. And there's a reason why he didn't catch up on the other team either. And nobody wanted him back when he wanted to come back in the NFL. He is a me, me only player. And I give him all the credit in the world for the Super Bowl that he came back. But to me, again... I don't think that was team motivated And yes he played amazing In the Super Bowl on basically one leg I give him all the props for that But he did it for himself He didn't do it for the team He did it for himself That's the type of player he was A.J. Brown is not T.O And whenever T.O didn't get his way He whined and cried his way to Philadelphia I really have no respect for Terrell Owens As great as he was And I know that he's you know part of the reason why When they finally got McNabb a wide receiver They got the Super Bowl And it's unfortunate because him and McNabb were lightning. I mean, those two guys were unstoppable. And they could have went right back to Super Bowl if he had stayed and not whined and cried and put on a big show to get out of Philadelphia because he wanted more money. So I don't have any respect for him. I really don't. I think he's a loser, quite honestly. But. You start thinking, oh, man, do we have another A.J. Brown type problem here? I mean, sorry, T.O. type problem in A.J. Brown here. And even though I didn't think that, I was really concerned about what the heck was going to happen today when he when he finally said he was going to speak to the media. I was like, oh, man, here we go. Please, please don't, don't be another T.O. Those thoughts cross your mind, even though you don't think that he is. But we're still kind of learning who he is. You know, he's only been an Eagle for just over a year. Well, almost two years now, I guess, but. You know, and he's such a great player. I mean, he is he is an amazing, amazing player. So, um, but he had a lot of really good things. I mean, coming out of the interview today and listening to him, I liked what he said. I thought he really was open and honest, and came across as being genuine, which is what I was really focused on. If he was, if he was just going out there and saying stuff that I don't think he believed in, I think I would have, I would have had a major problem with it. Or if he was just saying stuff to just say stuff. But to me, the way that he answered the questions and as focused as he was in his, in his answers, um, I, I thought – I really um, I really thought it was um, a very good uh, response to the reporter's question. So I'm going to play a little bit of it. I don't know how much I'm going to go. I mean the whole thing is, is, is really good. He spoke for about um, 12 or 13 minutes to the media. And I'm going to play a little bit of it now for your uh, benefit so you can hear uh, where I'm coming from as far as what uh, A.J. had to say. And then uh, we'll talk more about it on the other side. So here we go. Here's A.J. Brown. Honestly,
1: uh, the reason why I didn't uh, speak to the media after the game because, uh, you know, I didn't want to be negative, you know. know, I I, I had already transitioned to the mindset where uh, we were going through a tough time and so me personally, the person I am, uh, who just know uh, I just have to go back to work, you know, and nothing I could do about it, you know. And uh, like, like I said, after the game, I said I was raised up. I had nothing nice to say. I'm not going to say nothing at all. So I'm not just about to continue to compound the negative with the negative. So you guys can write more negative stuff. Like, you guys watch the game, too. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you guys already know. So that's why I was like, there's nothing more that I can say. You know, just to, I'm not trying to make it worse than what it is, and so, you know, and then on top of that, you know, everything that I do, if I say something, I do anything, i um, I'm, I'm classified as a monster, you know, honestly, you know, and it, and it's and it's honestly the, the the opposite, you know. You saw my frustration on the field. It wasn't about the play call. It wasn't about none of that. It was about my guy getting banged up. You now we're gonna need. I'm gonna need Smitty moving forward, you know, and uh, so uh. But that was that was it. You know, I apologize to my teammates today, you know, because uh, they shouldn't have had to have to answer questions on my behalf. You know, I'm a man. I can speak for myself. I was actually looking forward to seeing one of the reporters here today because I wanted to ask him a question. I'm still going to say the question because um, he, he wrote a story and I did. I did read the story. It was about uh he said a veteran said something about me and this and that. So I was going to ask him who is the veteran, you know? Because uh, I just, I know who I am, and I know that's that, that's not, you know, you can portray me however you want to portray me, but you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, like, Jesus I know who I am. And so, uh, so I try to be careful what I say, because you guys still going to write it up however you want to write it up. I was a journalism major. Like, I, that's what, that's a, your job, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, I'm not upset at none of y'all or whatever, but that's just what comes with it, so. Why did you feel the need to apologize to, you know, you to Because, because, uh, because to me, honestly, because I felt like I was doing the right thing, you know, I, I was doing the right thing as a captain and uh, but not but not compounding the negative with the negative. like We're going through tough times. So uh, I don't want to continue to be negative. And, you know, um, and it took me it took me a couple of days to realize, like, I, my, my teammates are answering questions on my behalf. You know, I can speak for myself. I'm a man. So. Uh, so, yeah. You mentioned that
0: the uh, Devontae's injury was a reason for frustration at home. Have there been other reasons for frustration?
1: Of course. You know, I think that's another thing, too. You know, uh, another thing why I wanted to apologize, too, because uh, all you see is A.J. Brown frustrated with the Eagles. AJ, A.J. this, A.J. that, you know, but everybody's locker room is frustrated. So why are you singling me out because I'm frustrated? Like, just because I'm shaking my head, I'm showing emotion, you can look at everybody in the stadium has bad body language, they're frustrated, you know? And so, yeah, I wanted to clear that up because it's not about me. Like, we're all frustrated. So I wanted to clear that up, man. Your question was? No, about the other sources of the frustration. Yeah, because because um, I I wanna win. Like, I wanna win. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do everything in my power to win. Like, I wake up before the sun come up, I go home when the sun is past, Hours after the, the sun has gone down, like this, this is this is our life. We dedicate our whole entire life to this. <laughs> and, I'm sorry, I'm cursing, play. but it, it's it's serious to us, you know what I'm saying? And so it comes with frustration because if one man goes the wrong way, to a half inch, the play is over. It doesn't work, and that's what happens. And that's what actually happened that last drive. You know that Brian is getting crucified on that on on the play call or whatever that that second play. If somebody goes the left and, and and block a certain person. It's a thirty-yard touchdown by Jalen. He, he runs in. So, it, it that's why it's the greatest game of. It, that's the greatest game it is today because it takes all eleven to, to be on the same page. And one person mess up, the whole play is over. With. AJ, for the people for the people that question whether you're upset with targets and you talked about a reporter addressing things. How do you how do you address that when you hear people questioning? That you're upset because it's kind of an individual thing. You know, I already kind of addressed that, but you know, that's something I can't really control. You know, uh, honestly, man, I don't even ask for the ball in the game. I don't even talk to to Brian. I I don't say nothing to nobody. Like, Smitty is the one vocal. He's the more vocal one. Y'all don't even see that, but but I don't say nothing during during the game. I don't ask for the ball, like you know, but. But you know, if if a wide receiver says anything, then oh he's classified as a diva, he's want the ball. No, like maybe I'm holding my teammates accountable, you know, like like we have those tough conversations. But but if a quarterback does it, then it's don't nobody say nothing. But but if a receiver does it then then it's the end of the world, you know, but you know, that is what it is and I can't control that, you know, I know who I am and, and I and I and I try to push my teammates, you know, and I'm not gonna change who I am, you know, and that's what it is. You mentioned you spoke to everybody beforehand. Mitch, you're all frustrated. You talk about the conversations. How do you manage the frustrations when y'all are looking over what to fix in the offense
0: and just talking to the coaches and the players in between? Because, yeah, you know, with frustrations, how how
1: do you manage that? With everything else you do with your life, you know, you, you have to continue to press forward, you know, and, and I think that's what we're doing, you know. Um, just putting one foot in front of the other, going back to work, because that's what it comes down to anyway it, it, no talking, you can talk about it all day, but till you go in the practice field and you put it in that work and you, you grind, that's the only way you're gonna get out of a rut. And so right now, yeah, we got knocked down. Okay, we're gonna get back up. If we get knocked down again, we're gonna get back up. That's just what it that's and that's actually what we're trying to do, and that's all that we're doing. So
0: I I'm Nick and Jalen, you three have won
1: a lot since you got yeah. here. This is probably the toughest stretch you've been through. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about your relationship with Nick and Jalen during this kind of down? I can tell you, I can tell you, uh, I can tell you, uh, uh, that that may be things that Nick probably want to fix about himself. And, and, and I'll say, but the one thing I can't respect, the loyalty is not one of them. And I say that because, um, he takes so far us when it has nothing to do with him. And uh, he gets the blame. But that comes with his, with his job. You know, and, and sometimes Jalen does the same thing. And uh, just like Brian, he get the, end, the wrong end of the stick sometimes when it be us. But because, like I said today, the coaches played play zero snaps this year. It is not the coaches. It is us. And so, but like I said, if one person goes the wrong way, the whole play is over with. And, and as you guys see, it is glimpsed. It is, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is highs and lows. It goes just like this, and so that's why I feel like. That's why honestly I feel like we are close. We are close to to continue to continue to get better and continue to to take that next step. You know, with all this freaking adversity, we we right there. That's what happens when you're trying to get to that next step. Gravity pulls against you. Everything pulls against you, and I think that's what this team is going through right now. And I think once we fight through that, push through that, we're going to be fine. We're going to be right where we need to be because I know we got great people in this locker room. we got good people. Next right? about, the, talks about the take, the comp- to, uh, to do that to get, you know, to what it things. takes. It takes, like I said, it takes going to work, practicing, you know, holding each other accountable. It's just putting that work. That's stuff. That's All right.
0: So I don't want to play the rest of it, but I gave you a good eight minutes. Um, that was A.J. Brown. For those of you, um, I guess you want to be just tuning in. Sometimes I think I'm live when I'm not. So that was A.J. Brown. And a few things I wanted to just give you my thoughts on with his his answers. Number one, when he talks about um, the play itself, those plays that I absolutely ripped the shreds. Um, In the fourth quarter, when they were on that drive after the onside kick, and they ran those two Jalen keepers. And he's saying how on that second keeper that that play was very close to being taken for a touchdown by Jalen. Now that's also the play that he just got smothered for four yard loss. So, but here's the thing: I did watch the play. I went back and looked at it and closed in on it, and he's right. He's not making that up. If the Eagles had executed, executed and blocked that play properly. Jalen would have been gone for 30 yards, which you don't see or notice when you're watching the game live, which is what his point was. Now, was it still a good play call? That's debatable, I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, the Cardinals did their job and blew it up. But it was close to being, you know, I guess, see, the way I look at it is you probably could analyze a lot of NFL play calls that way. You know, and the defense has to get credit for identifying what the play is and blowing it up, you know. Um, So I guess you could look at that one or two ways. But his point is valid because I went back and looked at that play. And if they did secure a block on one of the guys, Jalen could have very well taken that one to the house. So how bad of a play call was it? It was a bad play call. Was it was a badly executed. That was AJ Brown's point. That's why he's saying that. And a lot of people speculated, including myself, when I saw him shaking his head. And at the end of that series of downs, when they had the resort and, and you know, for a field goal, um, he was more upset at the fact that uh, Smith was hurt on the pass out to the flat to Gainwell. And he got rolled up on. So he wasn't upset with the play call, which we all speculated, including myself, because I was upset with it. So a lot of these things, he makes a lot of valid, valid points. And, and again, you know, I know you can't see it visually, but maybe you can go and check it on YouTube afterwards after you just heard the soundbite and watch it. Cause you could see that he's it's very genuine in his body language and, and responded to these questions and answering and, and really talking to the media today. It wasn't like he was just, there to, you know, going through the motions type thing. I mean, he, he really seems vested in, in getting his message out as to why he didn't talk to the media. He didn't want to compile negativity. Um, you know, I, I got much more respect for AJ Brown after that, after that, honestly. And I respected him anyway. But i guess i'm just more relieved that some of the concerns i was just talking about before i heard it about potentially being another to even though i didn't really think that but until you can kind of confirm that in your own mind you have that you know diva egotistical me just throw me the ball all the time you know sort of perception of the player and after listening to him today and him basically just opening up and being honest with uh, the media I think we can safely say he's not another TO and thank god for that. Because here's the thing. He is as dominant a wide receiver as TO. And he doesn't have the egotist he's not an egotistical maniac. And crybaby. So, um, now I do think he does have a little diva in him. I'm not going to completely rule that off. I do think he has a little devenness in him. Um but it's not anywhere near the level of a TO. At all. So. You know. One of the things I didn't play. Was he talked about how he's got a. He doesn't have anything against Nick. You know. Because that was the other thing. You know. As he get along with the coach. Uh, he had high praise to say about Nick. So. Um, you know. He said all. Either all the right things. If you want to be a skeptic. Of his answers. Or. You know. Genuinely. There's no issue between him and Nick at all. So he addressed that a little bit later. In the, uh, in the interview. Um, but. Overall, I think AJ handled that very well. I think for me as, an, as a fan, I loved hearing what he said. He hasn't given up on the season either. It sounds like he's like, listen, we're close. Now that part might be just <laughs> – a lot of players say that a lot, and they just go out there and get their ass kicked again. So, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're close at all. So I would disagree with them there. But, again, he's with the team. He's on the team. And he identified something that I didn't see, you know, with that play call. I just thought that was completely uh, a horrible call and, and why would you run it type of deal, even though, you know, now looking back at it after what he said, that was one block away from being a long game. So maybe they are closer than I and us as fans think. I really tend not to believe that. I think this team has got a lot of problems. Some of us, I just documented earlier in the podcast. But let's hope that he's right. I mean, we're all optimistic, right? I know that I've said that the season's over and they're going to lose their first game in the playoffs. And I'm on record saying that. Um, I mean, because what type of sign have you seen from this team? Sign of life to think that otherwise. I mean, really, do you? I mean, I know there's optimistic fans out there. I talked about it in the podcast. When I was venting, you know, I said I'm sure there's much more optimistic fans out there than I am, and I kind of envied you if you're in that bucket, because um, I, I really am looking, I'm searching for optimism, you know, and I typically am. Like if I feel, listen, I thought they would win this game by 20 points against the Cardinals, so I was kind of optimistic almost for the first time this season going into that game, even though they didn't, they had to scratch out a win against the Giants the week before. So I don't know where that came from. Honestly, I'm kind of like searching back now, like why why did I think they're going to blow them out for 20 points? I mean, I, I don't know. I just thought they. I don't know. I I was totally off. So I'm kind of hoping now that I'm predicting they're going to lose in the first round of playoffs, I'll be totally off again. I mean, listen again. I never even when I predicted in the season, you know, when I predicted them to lose, and and I was pretty much right on all of my predict predictions this year. The only one that I was way off on was this last game against the Cardinals. But, um, you know, I, I may predict them to lose because I'm not going to just be a, you know, Kool-Aid drinking green goggles fan and just pick the Eagles every week. If I feel they're going to lose or there's a team that they're playing that I, that I feel might be better than them or playing better than them at the time, I'm going to pick against the Eagles. I'm just going to give you a real critique of this team. And I hope that, you know, ultimately you appreciate that. Um. And I never, I hate predicting Eagles to lose. I mean, come on, I'm a, I'm as, I bleed as deep green as anyone out there. I mean, I've been an Eagles fan, not even in Philadelphia. Again, you know, some people that may be listening to me for the first time, born and raised in Connecticut, still in Connecticut. So I am not even a Philadelphian, quote unquote. And I have been a diehard Eagles fan since I was eight years old. And I'm now, I'm just turned 50 this year. So over 40 years, I have been an Eagles fan in Connecticut. And enemy territory, because Connecticut, for those of you don't know, is primarily Giants country. And later became Patriots country when everyone jumped on the bandwagon. Connecticut is a bandwagon state. That's what I've always said. I mean, We don't really have any professional teams here. We had the Hartford Whalers at one time, and they're long gone now. And I was a Whalers fan. It's the only Connecticut local team that I ever rooted for. So I, I was an Eagles fan since I was a little kid. Been watching them ever since. People think I'm from Philadelphia. It's one of the most common questions I get when I run into somebody new. They're like, oh, you're from Philly? And I tell them I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is it's a lot easier to be an Eagles fan when you're in Philly or around Philadelphia or Jersey than being in enemy territory your whole life and never switching teams. Sticking to your team Through thick and thin There was a lot of thin As we all know Those of you go back As far as I do A lot of losing seasons And a lot of Watching the Giants Win Super Bowls And a lot of watching The Patriots win Super Bowls And I Never varied And bled green My entire life So I don't know how I went off on that tangent. I don't want to get that uh, deep in conversation here. But, you know, I, I um, and I, you know, I decided to do a podcast a couple years ago and just uh, give my thoughts on the Eagles. And uh, it's been a fun experience. And I uh, take this moment to thank you as the audience, because, um, you know, without you, this what am I doing? I'm just talking to myself. So i give out the email address uh, at this time here. I think it's a good time to do that. Um, you can email your thoughts communicate with the show by sending an email to petwgp at gmail.com again petwgp at gmail.com hey let me know your thoughts about what you heard from aj brown today what do you guys think also make sure if you're listening for the first time or if you haven't done so already make sure you follow the podcast you know whatever platform you're listening on make sure you hit that follow or uh, subscribe, whatever it may be, and I'm on a lot of different platforms. Um, so, uh, and then if it does you, allow you to rate the podcast, please uh, do so. It'll be a five star rating; it really goes a long way in helping the podcast. Appreciate it very, very much. All right. So, Nick Sirianni also spoke with the uh, media today. Didn't really get much out of him. He's it's a typical Sirianni podcast, really. Um, just talked about, you know, how we're going to get things right, and a lot of the things you've hear, been hearing him say the last few weeks. So um, he did say that he spoke to AJ Brown this week earlier, and you know they, they talked things out, or if there was anything to talk out again, AJ said there's really no issues at all. So, but they did meet and talk, and um, Sirianni said everything's fine. AJ confirmed everything's fine. So there's really there seems to be a big nothing burger between those two, but Sirianni needs to kick this team in the ass and get him going. You know, there is a lot of heat on him, and I think justifiably so. Again, I don't; I am not one of these people that subscribe to him being fired. You know, I just think that people are that are saying that. I mean, that's not going to happen. You know, I'd be shocked, but a lot of them are like, "Oh, it's inevitable." You know, they're definitely firing him. I am like, I don't know where that's coming from. And a lot of these guys have followed the team for a long time. I am like, really? I mean, you guys should know. That's that's just where is that coming from? You may want him fired. Larry's not going to fire a guy who's brought his team to the playoffs three straight years and a Super Bowl just last year. Especially, here's the real key, what I've been talking about. Especially after you got two new coaches this year. Leading the offense and the defense. You're going to blame that on Sariani? There was going to be a fall off, folks. And that's what I mentioned earlier before the season started. So that doesn't surprise me, and I sometimes forget that. To be honest, so we got the Giants coming up, and we're going to have a you know pregame podcast, even though the game is really meaningless. I know there's a chance that you know if Dallas loses to Washington, which is not happening, the the Redskins are, I mean, the Commanders are pathetically horrible. And Dallas is not a team that's going to lose to a bad team like the Eagles right now. They're they're killing everybody. I know they're just, you know, squeaked by Detroit, but Detroit's good. So, and I know they're not as good on the road. The only chance we may have, if there is going to be some kind of miraculous win by the commanders, it's supposed to snow on Sunday during the game. So whenever it snows in the game, anything can happen. And it's also going to snow in the Eagles game. It's going to be bad weather in the Northeast on Sunday. They're both playing at the exact same time. That's what makes things a little challenging because I said right after this game, bench all the starters, you know, don't dress the starters as many as you, I mean, you obviously got to dress some starters because you don't have the, it's not like it's, you know, training camp and, you know, preseason when you have, you know, a hundred people on your team that you can just, you can rest all the starters. Some of their starters got to play, but I was saying rest all of the, you know, the tenured starters, all the guys that need a break. You know, Jordan Davis, uh, Jalen Carter, um, Brandon Graham, Cox, um, Slay. I don't think Slay's playing anyway. He's still, you know, recovering from his knee surgery. Um, even Bradbury. Give the young guys a chance to get in there. Rest, You know, don't play Bradbury. On offense, don't play any starters. No Hurts, no A.J., uh, no Kelsey, no Lane. Um, you know, as many offensive line guys as you can uh, rest. Got her. keep, you know, keep all those guys out. Swift, no Swift. That's what I would do. And I would still do that knowing that if, even it could be some crazy, you know, upset down there in what's going to be inclement weather. And because if Washington is to somehow beat the Cowboys, then the Eagles actually do still have a chance to win the NFC East. Uh, as unbelievable as, as that sounds after their epic collapse here, second half of the year. Now, to me, I would still rest. To me, I think it's more important right now, honestly, and in all honesty, because I don't think the Eagles are really going anywhere in the playoffs anyway. Uh, but I know it's a tough call. I, I will definitely grant you that. But I would still, I think, to me, this team needs a rest. They have been, um, especially defensively, they have been playing a lot of snaps because their offense has been so ineffective. And the defense hasn't been going to stop anybody. So they've been on field the entire game for the like, last five, six games. They have played a tremendous amount of snaps. And, and then coming off of Super Bowl, we have a long extended season. I just think this team is tired and beaten down. And I think that they have an opportunity to create their own bye week. And I have said that right from the beginning, right after the game. You guys heard me on the podcast. I mean, that was 10 minutes after the game ended. Now, some of the media that I've listened to this week have, have suggested that or have thought about it. And then there's other people in the media who haven't thought about it at all. And they're just like, no, you know, they don't even mention that they should start the uh, – that they should rest the players. I'm like, why – what are you guys missing? I mean, why start everybody against the Giants in what is a meaningless game? The only chance they have to improve their status is if the Cowboys somehow lose to Washington, who is a dreadful team. And that game, as much as there could be a potential for an upset with the snow, you know, turnovers can happen and stuff like that. And also with the snow and everything and the sloppiness and Washington basically not playing for anything, that could also be a 40 to nothing game at the end of the half with the Cowboys leading. I mean, to me, bench the starters. Take advantage of the opportunity to create your own bye week and rest these guys because they got to go on the road through the playoffs, number one. And then, depending on if they're able to win, they're going to be playing all these extra games again. And this team is exhausted, broken down, and tired, especially in the defense. So rest these guys. That's what I would do if I was coach. And I wouldn't think a second of it. And if Dallas was to somehow lose that game and Eagles lose because they benched their starters against the Giants, I would live with it. I just would. That's where I am. I know that probably is not a popular opinion because you get a chance to win a division. Why the hell wouldn't you take a shot at it? I get that. Here's the thing. The Giants can still be beaten by our backups. That's the other thing. Giants obviously are not good. Our backups couldn't even beat the Giants anyway. So that's what I would do. I think that's the smart thing to do. Now, when I second-guess myself, if Dallas ends up losing and the uh, Giants end up just squeaking out a uh, game against the Eagles when they benched everybody, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt I would (laughs) second-guess what I'm telling you now. But, um, you know, I just don't don't think – first of all, that scenario is highly unlikely. And I think the benefits of, of resting their guys far outweighs Uh, anything else at this point in the season. Um, Last thing before I let you go is the good news is because, again, we talked about and you heard A.J. mention the injury to Devontae Smith. Uh, He ended up with a mild ankle sprain. So, and apparently he's already out of the walking boot. So um, that's all obviously good news. So, and that's great news, actually, because, I mean, you talk about they're already going to have a, a small chance of, of advancing in the playoffs anyway. The way they're playing without Demonte Smith, I mean, you know, it's pretty much over with. You know, they need they need him. And again, more reason. I mean, he he's one guy they definitely need to bench. I mean, if he's if they decide to start their starters and they have him out there this week, that's just stupid. You know, I don't want to see Demonte Smith playing this weekend at all. So, again, email address, P-E-T-W-G-P at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, let me know what you think about AJ. Let me know what you think about resting the starters. Are you with me? Do you think you got you should play the starters just in case somehow Washington pulls off some kind of mirac- miraculous uh, upset this weekend, and Eagles somehow still win the NFC East? It almost makes me laugh thinking about it. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you think. All right? All right, folks, with that, we're going to let you go. We'll be back later in the week with the pregame podcast about the Giants, a team the Eagles always beat. Like I said, our our second stringers could probably beat them anyway. Thanks again for listening. As always, appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later on. Until then, fly Eagles bye. Everybody take care.